You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to episode, I think, 184, Red Wings Rant, where tirades and passion please for your Detroit Red Wings finally have a home. Mike, today we're celebrating another huge win. We get, we didn't go five out of five, we went four out of five, uh, but that, that was still fun. Um, so we'll talk about that, we'll talk about, uh, I guess what I promised on the last recording, that uh, is there potential for uh, the Red Wings to still find some scoring like are, are we overperforming or is there still that chance um you know that uh, things things could actually maybe stay the same or even get better uh considering some of the names that are going to be on the list that we'll we'll talk about today uh and then we'll kind of prep for uh, this upcoming week we've got uh, columbus and dallas so uh mike you were a big jinx on Thursday. You went to uh, the Capitals game, and it was a stinker for, uh, I-, I would say, 40 minutes. I took uh, my lady's uh, dad to his first time at Little Caesars Arena. This was... My lady's dad. Okay, yeah, I did that math. Um, so this was his first live Red Wing experience. In no lady? Just you. Becky and, uh... was there, too. She was there, too. Um, he could not have seen a worse Redmond game this season. And I'm including the games where we got just bare butt spanked, you know, mm-hmm. on the way to like losing five to one or, you know, whatever. This two to zero game was excruciating. We had nothing to root for. <laughs> nothing. There was nothing to root for. We had nothing to cheer for. I think there was one fight kind of with like five minutes to go where it wasn't even a front, like one of those good frustration fights where you just start throwing fists because it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah. They just kind of held jerseys and tussled for a little bit, and we, we didn't get anything out of it. But there's a standing ovation for a, uh, the worst fight you've ever seen. <laughs> it was um, like an NBA fight. That's how bad it was. So here, here's the scary thing. Uh, yeah. We went, we had such a great, this this part's not scary. We had such a great ten, first 10 minutes that we still ended up being a, a, like the positive for expected goals for percentage. So we yeah. still ended up having better chances because of the first 10 minutes of that game uh, than, uh, than the Capitals would actually get the rest of the game. And that's because they just played a trap uh, for the um, next 50 minutes because yeah, they, they were took, like, holy they shit. They took the lead. Yeah. And they just stopped trying to score. It was over. Yeah. They just put yeah. five guys behind their own blue line and just turtled around the net. And there's nothing to do. Um, yeah, I, I heard uh, I heard the argument last night while I, I was at the game. Uh, Daniela Bruce arguing with uh, Art Regner about you know goaltending and having having to play rookie goaltenders. And um, I think that that story for the Capitals game is like twofold for uh, uh, what was it for Cal? Um, he played great those first 10 minutes which is all they needed because by the by that time the capitals had their lead and they like you said mike just played shut down and lined up at the blue line and were like try and get through this this is you know uh red rover pretty much for the rest I of don't the think game they, so, yeah they didn't send more than two skaters on a rush yeah there was always three guys back on the red line um but man i do want to bring up one of our favorite segments here um Ooh. And it can either be 
just something that you hear others say, or it could be a dumb thought that you want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's when you're at a live hockey game, and it's the dumbest commentary from fans. <laughs> because the Capitals, um, you know, just hunkered down and they stopped playing offense. So there was, you know, they just funneled us, you know, along the boards. There's no shots over there unless you're um, Dylan Larkin against the Canadians. But um, my favorite thing and least favorite thing is people kept going, just, just shoot it. Why aren't they shooting it? And there's no angle. There's five human <laughs> bodies between them and the net. There's nothing. There's no opportunity. If you just shoot it, you're just hitting meat. There's no nets, just meat. Three to four men's worth of meat. There's there's no pucks getting through the net. Matt, I hate when they say just shoot it, as if the Red Wings are looking up like it's um, Price is Right. What do I do? What do I do? Just shoot it. I don't know. Pass it. Oh, and everybody hates their guests. Um, Matt, it can be a dumb thought that you have that you say out loud or, uh, you know, something that you hear the fans say at a live sporting event here for hockey. Um, you have one up there with just shoot it. Why aren't they shooting it? I mean, that that to me is one of the, the worst. Like it's one of those things. I've carried it along with me. And it was one game we took uh, our, our mutual friend, our, our buddy, to uh, a few years back and there was there's a rather large human behind us that was uh at the top of their lungs just going shoot it and uh we carried that with we, we've been doing that impression ever since i'd say that's about 10 years old at this point but the entire game she was just belting that out just shoot it and it's it's so asinine because like they're the Capitals were just blocking every shooting lane. So what are you yeah. doing? You want you want him to just fire at the guy right in front of him, and then the puck starts going the other way? Yeah, what a great plan that is. I can understand uh, if we were playing NHL 94, and you could shoot pucks into the players' faces, and they'd get injured. So then yeah. they'd run out of players, and then you could go up. Um, God, I had another really good one, too. Here, well, let's, real quick, we actually have uh, our, our buddy. We have a contender? Up. Uh, Chris, uh, he went to the Calgary game, so he he feels oh. you and, uh, getting shut out. Yeah, it's uh, awful, man. Brad, those games are frustrating for everyone. Performance art here. What's up, buddy? Uh, he's just about to uh, drive back from his cottage, so he's going to catch the rest of the show later, but good to have you. Um, all right, podcast by George. Uh, what's going on? First time I think I've seen this name in our comments. Red Wing's doing well because the injury list is shorter than most other teams oh, right George. now. Good enough to make playoffs. Get that P word out of here. Much more. Get oh, that P word out of here. Yeah, yeah, we we made a rule. The Red Wings had to win all five the, the last five games uh, for us to talk about uh, playoffs. But uh, we we have decided as a show we we aren't allowed to mention it unless it's uh, past Thanksgiving and uh, we have a juicy spot in the standings, which. Uh, it's, it's something like you don't really want to drag Red Wings fans down right now, but if you look at the points percentage and not where we are in the standings, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that, I always like looking at goal differential, too, and even with our positive record, we're in kind of a rough spot. Eric, what up, man? Um, but, so where uh, were we? Uh, yeah, so things I hate at, at, uh, at hockey games um, – I, I think the other thing too is just the assumption that every single penalty against your team isn't a penalty, <laughs> especially from like up the upper deck, and you're just like, "Oh come on, that's bullshit." 
Um, I got one more for you too. Yeah. Um, when uh, when they got frustrated uh, Thursday night, they were saying, "Well, just hit somebody." Okay. So I just started yelling, "Just take an interference penalty! Come on, <laughs> take work. a cross check penalty!" Boo! <laughs> so there's a few like smart fans who are sitting near me that laugh, but. That, that's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to bring up uh, we're, we're facing the Golden Knights uh, this week and I, I'm thinking about bringing Dave on. He's uh, another member of the Hockey Podcast Network, but he's actually from Detroit. Uh, so he's a huge Red Wings fan. Yeah. He just made a huge list for all Vegas Golden Knights fans uh, because he feels that they still don't understand hockey. And all of these things <laughs> you're talking about are on that list. Just hit somebody. So he explained uh, in detail of, you know, the penalty uh, that would uh, take place if all of the things that Golden Knights fans yelled for actually happened. And uh, it's just, it's it was funny to me because while I was reading it, I was like, I, and I, you know, I, I'm not. Draw I'm not, some blood. I'm no, not don't Dave, do that. <laughs> I'm not putting Dave down at all for doing that because it, yeah. it's really, it's not even a Golden Knights thing. It's across the board, I think, for, for NHL fans. Yeah, but, but we're uh, in hockey town. Come on, guys. Let's look yeah, the rules a little bit. Yeah. It's just, it's just the difference between, like, the, the people that will go to a hockey game aren't necessarily the people that watch it at home. Right. Like those are the diehards. Those are the one, the people who, who do watch it at home. The people who you, you said you took um, you took your significant others. Uh, dad, I almost said husband, <laughs> dad to the game. Right. He's probably not watching yeah. every Red Wings game because that's more of that's an experience. That's like, uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody gives a shit. I, I don't need to explain this anyway. Uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, good morning, my man. Fethdar, morning. What's going Fethdar, on? Fethdar, my dude. How you doing? Uh, he had his head down. Okay, so why not just hospitalize him for life? This this is one coming from George. <laughs> um, well, other one I got. Are, I got. We got to point this one out. He, he pulled over for this comment. Uh, Fabry should be benched. If uh, you're not knocked out, you make a play for the puck. Whew. Oh, on that that centering play. Uh, this Was that is the Montreal triangle. Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. You got it. Um, yeah, he went in hard to the boards and I, I, he, I think what he thought was he was going to play it up to get the play stopped, but it, he did still go. Um, he did still hit the locker room after that, but he was out for maybe two minutes and then he came back out to, uh, to the bench. I, you know, I, I don't know what really happened there. So I don't want to tell, Can I, I don't want to make a comment about Fabry being hurt or not being hurt, yeah. but that looked, that might be a tough it looked one. like it hurt. I do want to make one um, correction to my statement earlier that we had nothing to root for. We had so little to root for uh, that the only times we got excited were when Fabry was um, stick handling across uh, the red line and almost got it into the zone, and then they would immediately crush him with five capitals worth of humanity. But there's a few times he almost got through, so that's when we got excited. And uh, Brad points out Fabs was laughing, uh, if you watch, with a what-the-hell kind of expression. Like, yeah, I don't we... know if he was laughing or he was just concussed and his body was doing that thing. Like when you go to the dentist and get I... too much Novocaine and you're just, ha, 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 ha. I think, I think he was I... just broken. <laughs> I think he got whack-a-mole and he didn't know what to do. I think he was laughing like, what the, f like, what, what's going on? Why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, He's like, what do I? What do we have to do to stop the play anymore? Um, I mean, yeah. clearly, 
like this was a game that the refs uh, did not give. I, I forgot. We need to uh, try to cut back on our our language here. Uh, yeah. They did not give an f. Uh, yeah, they didn't about, give a fudge. Uh, a fudge and two. <laughs> about uh, Dylan Larkin or or Jake Allen, who actually left the game uh, because of the hit, or I, I should say the the shove, the blatant mm-hmm. shove from behind by Petrie yesterday. So there there was a lot that uh, the refs I, I thought could fix. I I will say this, Mike. Um, I did, I did want to bring this up being at the game. I've never seen, uh, like the pregame ritual for a group of referees, Mike, they got in a circle before the game, which is very normal. Oh, cool. But they had a team handshake. <laughs> they, a ref team handshake? Yeah. yeah can, like, do you remember uh, it? Kind of, can you back up a step? Yeah. Do you know, do you know community with, um, Troy and Abed in the morning? Yeah. Where they would do the, you hit your chest and you... You also do a high five with your buddy, and then you bring it in as a hand, sh- or, or yeah. like a, yeah, bring them in for like a. a You're just off camera thing. on that one, but it's like this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. There you go. How I, there you go. There we go. Yeah. So it's like they all. So four guys in a row, bam, bam, <laughs> and they all knew which hand to hit while they were doing that too. It was, you know, screw screw the refs last night for not doing anything on that petri shove, but uh, that I, I thought that was kind of cute. Was, like, I didn't know refs. Not only would they have that time set aside to make sure they had a handshake, but it wasn't just like a fist bump. Like they had, they had it ready to go. They were organized. They... <laughs> Can I say that it's makes horrible. me a little uncomfortable? Because at least they did it before the game. But I could see it if they like called a penalty in the third period for like a like a DraftKings sporting line, you know, and then yeah. they're like, you know, kind of help get that extra hundred bucks. Oh my god, yeah, salty wingspan. Um, that Larkin goal. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how you get it in there. Um, I don't think that would ever go in in like NHL 2K22. Like, no way. Yeah, it's uh, two two impossible angles uh, last night. It's just uh, Moltembu uh, was not. <clears throat> did you? I don't know. Did you get I, to hear Ken Daniels in the aftermath? No. Uh, Larkin scores on an impossible angle. Well, I guess not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute. Um, I yeah I uh, I I do think it's it's like there's another conversation that I think we've had like every episode now uh, is just like how how this team lives and dies with with Dylan Larkin I I think absolutely Tyler Bertuzzi's having a great season but I I the 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 motor that's driving everything like it it, it is it is Dylan Larkin like what what a pick for the captain like this he just never stops yeah and I. It's so cute, too, to watch Lucas Raymond fall in love with him. Uh, Can I say, too, like Larkin yeah. on the um, on the overtime winner? I love, love that his priority was still to get Raymond the goal. You know what I mean? And it just happened that, you know, his play kind of got botched. And then, yeah. you know, the puck made its way back over to Dylan. But his priority was still to get the kid, you know, the overtime winner. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what uh, Moltembo was, was doing last night. I... Like, that's the difference, right? When we talk about we've had to face uh, two rookie goaltenders and then Sam gets mixed in there as, like, mm-hmm. another tough goaltender situation for uh, the the our opponent. Because uh, you you have to, like, game plan for it, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. you, you're pretty much saying either with the rookie goaltenders going in, you're, you're going to play back, you're going to stay in your defensive zone and make that your priority so your goaltender doesn't get embarrassed. And then uh, for Montreal like their situation is we have a guy going in that wasn't even supposed to be playing tonight. You know, <laughs> wasn't even supposed to be here today. 
uh, classic from Clerks. Uh, but yeah, uh, like now you've got to rally around a goaltender who had a very quick and ugly uh, start to that second period for him where he just let us right back in the game. And uh, yeah, Montreal had to rally and, and kind of play. And this is kind of where I wanted to take this conversation and bring it up the Capitals. Play the game that the Capitals played for 50 minutes against us on Thursday. Montreal played that game for the last, definitely the last 20 minutes. But uh, after we after we took the lead, they pretty much tried to emulate exactly what Washington did to like, all right, we got to stop this. And the problem with me seeing that two games in a row and it working quite well <laughs> is how scary it's going to be for Detroit now that it looks like there's a playbook being written. If you take the lead on Detroit, you do this, and they do not have the talent to overcome your trap. Um, now, Dylan perseveres, right? Like that's, but you only have one Dylan. Uh, Lucas Raymond probably has the talent. But if you're putting your best defensive line on your first line or going up against Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Raymond, uh, you've really just got to cross your fingers on everything else. Uh, because I, I think, again, we saw the rest of the game, especially that third period, it just looked like nothing. I mean, we couldn't get a solid shot uh, going at the net for that entire third period. This. Yeah. So, like, one thing that, um, like, when you're setting up an NBA defense – like an almost unguardable play, and it's you'll see it just run ad nauseum if there's a certain like matchup you can get with it is a pick and roll, where you end up you know like guards always guard, um, like defend guards, centers always guard centers. So when you do the pick and roll, suddenly a slow center is guarding a point guard or a little guy is guarding a giant center, and then you try and exploit the matchup that way. What? How do you like overcome the trap? especially on the road where you don't have the um, that line change advantage? Well, you got to think about like the speed of a, a team like, like Edmonton, like how, how do you, how does Edmonton come back like down four or five goals? Um, and it's, you, you got to have a power play that takes advantage of those uh, advantage of those power plays every time, which we do not have a power play like that, where you can try and play catch up. Um, but ultimately, you're either hoping to stick handle your way through or you come right back to that speed. And you've got to dump the puck and try and get a couple of wins there. And if if you're not doing that, you, you've really set yourself up to just like it. it it's just God, it's worse than clockwork because it, it grinds your teeth. You're, you're just watching the, the, the time click away. And, you know, ultimately, I th again, what we saw was uh, Washington and Montreal just all blocking the shooting lanes. Uh, they had zero interest in carrying the puck down the ice. I think uh, with Washington, they said, we can hold this two to nothing lead. With Montreal, I think they forgot that uh, overtime was probably going <laughs> to lean in our favor uh, with uh, with our talent load compared to theirs, especially on the top end. Uh, so that, that's where we could get the win. But uh, yeah, Montreal was playing to just get to overtime. And um, I think when you have uh, a team that's just fine with that, uh, that's, that's where it's, it feels almost impossible, but yeah, it, it's something where you go back to the nineties and you see the New Jersey devils pretty much won cups because of that. So it's, it's just, you try to, you know, come up with an answer of how to do it. Well, we had literally decades of teams still struggling and now it's still a, a, a defensive strategy, uh, like a go-to for a team with a lead 
against a team like ours uh, because it, it's it's proven. It, it really is that tough to figure out. And, you know, last night you uh, you'd see Fabry uh, get into the zone and he is completely blanketed uh, by two or three Canadians uh, players, uh, you know, on the on the offensive zone. And what they're doing is just trying to break up that um, that flow, right? So it's not where Fabry can just come in and he knows he's got a play set up across the ice or he knows he's got somebody coming in behind us. Yeah. Everything's gone to hell. So they have to improvise. And what you're missing there are the guys that, uh, you know, like where we've seen Lucas Raymond be able to improvise already and find goals. Um, watch. Watch like Moritz Sider uh, dangling the puck, you know, like on the power play and the way that he moves you know, his body and protects yeah. the puck. Like that kind of thing is not happening anywhere else on the ice except for Larkin, uh, Bertuzzi definitely, Lucas Raymond a thousand percent, and Moritz Sider. And the rest of these guys are. I have a surprising charging. name I want to include too. Yeah, they're they're charging head first, and there doesn't seem to be. Uh, an adjustment being made and some of that probably could be pointed towards coaching, but I, I, you know, you and I have had the same conversation over and over since the show started. A lot of it goes back to talent and um, you know, sometimes it gets exposed with, uh, with that type of strategy and just feeling like we're hopeless or helpless at that point. uh, Once that gets, I think um, like the more we keep watching Iserman just um, repeatedly draft players for size uh, it, it kind of feels like he's reacting to watching games like this because, you know, I mentioned on Thursday, one of the few rooting interests we had, and they were really hollow, um, like, points in the game, was Fabry because he is, he's a good, he's a talented stick handler. But it was, it was like the Capitals were inviting that to happen because they knew that he's not a huge guy. So he can, you know, mm-hmm. make a little bit of progress across the line, but he's not going to get to a point where you're getting, like, a high danger scoring chance or anything like that. So they were inviting him, please take the puck, waste about 15, 20 seconds. We'll take it back from you, and then we'll just push it back down the ice, you know, um, and comfortably, you know, keep protecting this lead. And so that was the one spot where one guy we've given a lot of grief to this year, and he still has been, you know, pretty cold on the, you know, uh, goal and assist tally sheets. But he had a few plays against Montreal, and he definitely had a few plays in my game um, against Washington. It was Rasmussen. Yeah. And that's because he is so big. He was actually one of the guys that are like, ah, oh, damn it. Like the few times that he could get some, you know, a few stick handling opportunities, he just used that big body in the reach and it actually did work to his advantage. So I know we give him grief because his skating's not great. Um, and that's probably why he wasn't able to capital capitalize against the capitals, but <laughs> those, they were still like quality spots and it felt like those were, um, like shifts, uh, line shifts in the game where it was, you know, at least it looked like we had a shot to maybe at least, you know, get something, um, you know, on that some, you know, just shoot it like a, an actual opportunity, um, you know, worth something was uh, Rasmussen. That's where he kind of he had a few shining moments. Um, yeah, one other thing, I, and I'll say for for Rasmussen, I, I thought I saw him try that a couple of times last night, but he he still got overwhelmed and and it turned into you know. He gets around one guy. There's another guy face, you know, that he's actually skating towards as well. So it ju- it just became one of those things where Montreal had their game in mind, and it was, you know, let him throw a puck at the net every now and then. But they're not getting a second chance, and the first chance isn't going to be good. And uh, you know, I I tweeted uh, in that Capitals game, uh, and it's funny, is this should be a celebration, but I do I did see so much 
that <laughs> scared me in these last two games. Uh, that I'm I'm worried, you know, as we've all tried to predict, like uh, the downfall, you know, like the losing streak. This is where it starts. Like it, it really did look like we're seeing like this is how you you can really shut down the Red Wings. Um, and I, I mentioned to you, you were talking about Fabry being one of the best mo- uh, players uh, f- for uh, for that Capitals game. And I said uh, he's skating really hard, but I hate his first decision coming in. And uh, I did want to point out podcast by George throws out there. Uh, we're playing quickly and taking some risk uh, by making immediate passes that are semi blind. I, you know what? I, I'd go as far as to say a lot of them are just super blind and, and we're trying to like, uh, it, it's like an overthink, right? It's uh, there's going to be a guy here. And, uh, and sometimes it is just better to keep your head up, telegraph the pass and find the one that's actually going to work because uh, when they keep doing this, and I was talking about Fabry's first decision, once he, he did skate hard, he would enter the zone, enter the zone, but that first decision he made was absolute trash and it would just turn into a turnover and then the puck was going the other way against the Capitals, where I, I think there was a better decision to, you know, find some open space first. Because if everybody's going to be down low, maybe at some point we just have to say, all right, let's let's cut our losses. Maybe maybe we just don't want to immediately turn the puck over, but we can get the puck back to the blue line and try and that set was, something up. And, there was a uh, lot of it, frustration on our part, too, because it felt like we could just not get anything in front of the goalie. So we would kind of just, you know... Um, run somebody up the boards and then they would just like that blind pass. Um, can you put the comment back up there? Yeah. Uh, George. Sorry. Thank you, George. Uh, then those, like those blind passes you're calling out. Yeah. It was just frustration. Right. So they would just take it up the boards and then just try to put it somewhere in the middle. Um, there was either not a red wing there or there wasn't anybody in position or we were like outnumbered, you know, with three, three capitals just hanging out in the middle not concerned about like again going out on the attack um but yeah it was like they didn't know what else to do and it just kind of looked like one of those uh, god like like pinball wizard moments where there was just nothing there's nothing there so they were just trying to i don't know get some they're almost like they're trying to do like a, a desperation shot and just hope it ping pongs off of somebody but it was really unwatchable hockey can we can we talk about too like we we've seen the tenacious play, you know, like is the word I keep using so far this season uh, for the wingdings. And you're, you're throwing out the word frustrated. And I feel like that Capitals game was the first time. And then we saw it again against Montreal where that kind of it, like it disappeared. And it was just kind of like, uh, you know, I, I talked earlier. It was just it felt like we were running down the clock. Uh, and Montreal, you know, part of their strategy was to get to overtime for Washington. It was to hold on to that two to nothing lead. But it really did like look like we we lost that that fire where it was just like you know go head first uh, front of the net and uh, because of the defensive play keeping everybody to the outside uh, we 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 just didn't ha- it didn't feel like we had that fire and you know that that could be more or less a result of uh, what the game plan actually was by our opponent and they made it look like the fire was gone but. Um, I think it's it's probably worth mentioning that this is a team that if if things don't go their way for I mean we're talking for that Washington game for 50 minutes, uh, but if things don't go their way for a considerable amount of time and they can get stymied uh, just trying to enter the zone or keep the the possession long enough to set up a, a juicy scoring chance, um, it just kind of feels like they they're not 
they're not giving up. They're not just turning in the game, but it, it feels like they're just trying to get through. Maybe let's get to the end of this period and try and reload. And if the Capitals come as hard as they do, you know, as they did in the second period, and it turns into the same thing in the third period, it is. It's, it's just mounting frustration. Um, and yeah. co- coupled with a, game, a fantastic you know, it, game plan. And... I was kind of bummed because I wanted to see a little out of um, – because these are those type of games, those are the ones where you, you know, the first rush. Uh, yeah, where um, like the first rush doesn't work. And that's where I thought, oh, maybe this would be a spot where Ernie can step up because he's usually, you know, he's usually good for those where second and third efforts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Capitals, you know, kind of shut him down and he, he didn't really have much of an impact in that game. But um, I'm kind of interested though because um, it's definitely something I think uh, Ken Cal was talking about too because um, we were listening to the, uh, the aftermath. Um, on Thursday was just, um, you know, it's a really smart road, road team strategy. <clears throat> you get a lead and you just kind of sit back. You don't want to take a lot of risks. Um, just try and get a point, you know, maybe two points if you're, if you play good enough defense. Um, and so if the Red Wings having this big road trip coming up, um, I'm kind of curious to see if they, obviously our first line is still the razzle dazzle, you know, Blash was still going to tell them, you know, go score and, you know, do whatever you can in the offensive zone. But, I'm curious to see if we're going to start like incorporating that strategy a little bit more. I know we feels like we definitely turned that off because I know we, we tried it a lot last year just to get some points in the standings, you know, because we had such a lack of talent and so many injuries. Um, but um, yeah, I'm curious with this, with this long, longer um, stretch of road games, if we're going to try that. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be huge with uh, you know, the, our, our opponent, now being uh, on the road here for uh, what four straight games, we got Blue Jackets, mm-hmm. Stars, Golden Knights, and Coyotes. They'll they'll be able to make the choice. I mean, not that we have to worry about the Coyotes, but they'll be able to make that choice. Is what they're going to do with that first line, and the Red Wings will have to hope for some secondary scoring again, which is kind of been you know all season. I, I've just been talking about <laughs> eventually the secondary scoring is going to pop up, right? Eventually, it's going to come around. Mike, can you believe it? DraftKings is recognizing our favorite sport. We do a podcast about hockey, and we are finally able to discuss the fact that they're an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Um, let's let's go, right? That's what I'm ready to say. Matt, I've had enough talking about the other sports. Stop for a big boy sport. The <laughs> NHL. That's National Hockey League. That season is underway. DraftKings Sportsbook and unofficial. Sports betting partner of the National Hockey League has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice, nay, the greatest sport on earth. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one time clapper, oh, gotta be a, or a slapper, maybe, or a deft uh, deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If sports what if sport... it's some nasty sauce? All right, cool. What if it's an empty netter? Still counts on the stat sheet, my man. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal this week one puck in the net 
nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We did get uh, a few suitor goal, which was, uh, you know, out of out of everything we scored last night, was uh, our best looking goal, right? Um, I, I want everybody to go back. Now, I mentioned um, in our last podcast episode, remember <coughs> I talked about uh, Tyler Bertuzzi getting in the way in the, uh, of the ref uh, while he was trying to see if the puck got past Grice or Nadelkovich. Yeah. And uh, it just gave it gave the Red Wings that extra chance for for I can't remember who the goaltender was, but to cover up the puck. Right. Yeah. The yeah. puck didn't actually go in, but Bert doesn't know that. So that Q Suter goal, watch the replay. Bertuzzi is on the end of the bench, so he's closest to the play going on. Pew scores the goal. He turns around and looks at Bertuzzi and is like, you called it. Mark Stahl. In the big group hug, looks at Tyler Bertuzzi and says, fucking nail... Oh, there it is. I said, I, I'm sorry, everybody. Woo! I'm trying to cut back on the square. I'm going to blame Mark Stahl for that one. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Something that Tyler Bertuzzi is doing again is helping... I mean, it's it's pucks in the back of the net or saving us from a goal. But clearly, Tyler's on, like, another level right now. Like, his headspace. Um, it, it's just, like... Everything's clear this year for Tyler. If it's, you know, you want to look at the shooting percentage or, uh, you know, the amount of times that he's just been able to pick his spot and, like, go right to the net and score. But now it's these super aware, you know, like the the hyper-aware veteran plays where he not only is saving a goal potentially the last game or two, I don't know, that was three games ago at this point, or it's apparently giving Pew Suter some coaching advice before that play even started of going like Motembo is, is weak, you know, over the shoulder, you know, go here from this point and it's going in to the point where both Pew Suter and Mark Stahl turn back and look at Tyler Bertuzzi after that goal and are like, you nailed it. <laughs> like I, I, uh, that was something I caught last night. I, I think that might be one of the things, um, because I'm at the game, like you get to see that. Cause I tried to find the replay over and over. I think you just have to watch the whole game to, to actually see that conversation happen. Um, but yeah, being, being able to see that uh, and like Bertuzzi is laughing so hard. Like, he knows <laughs> that he nailed something like whatever, yeah. whatever that call was uh, it, it was a beaut. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, just something fun. I thought uh, I noticed that I, I just, you know, you got to give the nod in, in different places because uh, you, you see the struggles with the second line. And I don't I don't know if it's just something where it, do we do we just have three guys on that second line where the, the clearly there's some chemistry, right? Because it's one of the strongest second lines in the league from the expected goals perspective. Yeah, I don't like that's, there, that second line. It's not uh, I don't think it's their fault. It just it's just a depth issue. They would be a fantastic, incredible third line. But I think second line it just depends on the talent level of the other team that we're playing. That it's it's not their fault, you know, just some guys are better at hockey. So I think that's when they struggle is when they face a team with a really good second line. So it's not like Puse is terrible. I, I he, he's got skill. I just don't think he's like an elite second line center. And I 
you know, feel comfortable saying that. That's, you know. Yeah, I mean, that brings up a couple of points I saw in the comments. Uh, Michael Scripp was bringing up, uh, worries me most is besides uh, Bergeron and Valeno, where, where's the help at forward coming uh, down the road? And, you know, a lot of that is can be worked out because we're talking about, right, like if if you want to compare first lines across the league. We got that. Top, yeah. yeah, you have a top 10 first line. Uh, you can't really do much better than that. Uh, so you could say, you know, maybe you don't trust it long-term. So you want to upgrade maybe a center spot there. We definitely don't have that. We don't, we don't have the center to replace. If you, if you're someday hoping Dylan Larkin goes down to two C and you know, you could go either way on that. Like this year, he looks like a one C. So I, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. He, he does look like a one C this year. Uh, but if, if you're looking to just find that depth, I, I think you can, hopefully pull back a little bit on uh having it need to come from you know your own your own system your own pool of prospects uh but it, it is true like that statement by mike is legit it, it is scary looking down um <clears throat> you know going through that prospect pool and trying to find where the offense is going to come from because even with a, a soderblum if you guys uh keep an eye on on the shl who had a little bit of a point streak there uh, a little bit of a point streak in the SHL does not translate to an offense of juggernaut in the NHL. It's just the realistic right. way of looking at it. Like, sure, he's had some good stints there, but, um, you know, you, you can't depend on it. Uh, Niederbach, uh, Dower Nilsson, um, you know, those are some names that were drafted late. Or actually, you know what, Niederbach was a second rounder. But, you know, those are some not first round picks, I should say. Uh, that could eventually turn out. I think it's just patience. And if we're talking about competing in the next couple of years, those guys are probably still three years down the line. Uh, all those names I mentioned. So it it would mean that we're going outside of our our own yeah, pool I mean, to uh, to fill out that's this where, roster. That's where we always get in those talks where we get you know a little too excited about Pedersen being available as a restricted free agent and saying just go all in because. Mm -hmm. It's not even the fault of Iserman. Like, oh, why can't he find um, a top top line center? <laughs> you know what I mean? Drafting sixth and below. I mean, there's only so many of those guys in the world. So, yeah, that's that's where maybe you know, as Iserman kind of sees, you know, it looks like our our defense is kind of um, growing at uh, a really strong rate. Um, I feel like we do have a little bit of depth on this team, and it's just we're like one or two elite level guys from you know maybe we got something cooking here. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, you know, I, I guess it's it's tough to like where where's the next place you want to take the conversation for that because it, it really just kind of comes back to patience and and maybe I mean like you know look at our our other teams right I mean we're not going to start with baseball it's too many guys but like the Pistons it's it's so wildly different you know for them to be drafting somebody like Sekou Dumboya who he's already on his fourth team since we got rid of him. Um, you know, down in the teens, you know, like for first round picks or my God, you win the lottery and things look wildly different just because you added somebody who's, you know, top three good as opposed to somebody who's top, you know, 15 or 20 good in the first round. So it's, you know, same right. thing with hockey. Um, it's kind of, you know, we've had bad luck, so we're going to have to figure out some other way to do this. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's something too, where at least across the league, like I'm, I'm pulling up uh elite prospects. So EP ringside actually has us ranked as uh, the number two prospect pool. Now, again, that's, does that's that include Raymond and Bertuzzi or uh, uh, yeah, Cider. Cider. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say it's it's pretty top heavy. I think you you do see two NHL players. I mean, they and... hit on two of them. That is right. That's really tough to do. Um, but we still need a centerman. So here here's the problem. Number three on this list. Uh, I'll say this. So I'm I'm just pulling this up. We can all uh, we'll go through this list together as as a team. Uh, number one, Cider. Number two, Raymond. Number three, Mike. Nedeljkovic. All right. So now we're really cheating. <laughs> number four, Edvinson, which again, I, I would say okay. uh, that that one is one to two years away, right? Like Edvinson is going, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he was here next year helping out the left side. Uh, uh, but then we've got Albert Johansson is after that. So another defenseman. And then as previously mentioned, Jonathan Bergeron. Oh, I so we, up there. we still oh, don't have we still don't have anybody that we're we're not like a hundred percent aware of or have already mentioned on the show until uh, we finally reach number seven is uh, well I guess we, we have mentioned him but uh, you know Niederbach Niederbach number seven on this list and to be honest if you take a look at what EP rank side is ranking him he's average across the board. <laughs> Fantastic. Love it. Right. Exactly. Uh, First guy that hadn't been mentioned in the comments. Uh, So it's, it's, it's something of um, it's, it's legit concern, right? Like we, we should be, we should be looking at this and just going, all right, well, if it's about building this team out with some more forwards uh, with, uh, with the draft, uh, then maybe you say, Hey, you know, maybe we can compete next year a little bit better, uh, but we're still two or three years away from having that that core Stanley Cup team that uh, is going to be taking us uh, deep for years. Um, I mean, as I continue through this list, Kosa's next at number nine. Uh, Booyam is at number 10. And um, yeah, there's Wallander, another defenseman. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of defensemen here, Mike. So we're clearly Iserman's uh and, and I don't think, you know, we're not we're not sitting here going like we broke the code, Mike. Iserman was trying to build a defense first. But no, um we're still seeing guys on this list that are Holland draft picks, but clearly number one on the priority list, Mike, defense. And then we'll we'll figure out how we're gonna See, score goals. The other thing play. too, I think it it I don't think it's just that it was defense. I think it's also because of how Iserman keeps getting screwed in the lottery. He's also just kind of, well, well my best gotten, guy is a defenseman. Has he gotten screwed, though? Because so far. No, I mean, like, position-wise, right, where we're not able to get, like, a Tim Stutzelo. I Okay, that's a bad example because it was Right, you know, like, we, but, we, he's nailed it so far. Like, I, I would say 100% I'm really happy with what's happened regardless of our, our ranking. I think it's just. Can I, um, let, me, let me edit my statement. He's getting, <laughs> he's. At a point where he can draft a strong wing or defenseman, but the centers are usually the first couple picks. Okay. Can we make uh, that? I know you could probably take that into this next draft too, because I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of centers, but even like uh, a Lambert is coming down the list in regards to a ranking. Uh, we even talked about how Corey Brownman was like, I'm not so sure about Shane Wright anymore. And it's just like, what? What do you mean? He was guaranteed to be the next. Is this, you know, this is the, this is the lottery we win. This is the right. lottery we win. No, oh, and it's man. it's still so like, that's one guy. Like elite prospects is still like, nope, Shane Wright, legit. You pick him up. You're good. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think the more I read about Shane Wright, uh, the more it comes, uh, it keeps coming back around to like leadership. Um where I think we might be in the realm of wanting to find just the as high skill as possible. Yeah. 
Can, can I, you keep is up that with fine? Verona? How about that? Huh? Can you keep up with Verona? That's your job. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's another point too. Like we we are we're we're weak in the pool, but we're also missing arguably before this season started, you would have said our second best forward, right? You would have said or number or top two, you know, Larkin and second Verona would most have been talented scorer. Oh, Tristan coming in. Oh, there he is. Coming in hot. Rutger McGrady, we've mentioned it before. The best name, I think the best hockey name of all time. <laughs> now he did just commit to Michigan, so you're not gonna be you're not gonna be seeing a McGrady uh uh appearance for a while, but goddamn that name. Whew. I know it sounds <laughs> just, like a isn't that a hockey name, Rutger? Oh my gosh. I, I love him so much. Uh but yeah, uh, Michigan commit, so you gotta figure um how about how about Michigan hockey? Good gravy. Like killing it in the last draft, and now they're, they're it's just turning into the system now where these top prospects coming out of junior leagues and what have you are just like, yeah, I'll go to Michigan. It seems like the place that gets the most notice. Like that program is going to be at the top of uh, the NCAA for a while. I, I don't remember when uh, Michigan hockey have they always been like the Alabama <laughs> of like college football? Like forgot about Red Savage. Uh, Tristan made a great point there. So, yeah, it's better. another good one. Challenge, challenge is Rutger. I still say because Rutger actually sounds like an, an actual human being. <laughs> so, <laughs> like you can, that's where I'm giving the nod. Like there's got to be a tier system here. Like, can you actually go to a restaurant and give them your name and they don't like go, what? Like you could, you could actually say Rutger McGrady and they'll be like, all right, Rutger McGrady, pencil you in. But like Red Savage, you know, you say that and then they're going to, there's questions, there's follow-up questions to that. What are you doing? Is this your, is this your stage name? Like, you got to avoid those. Bad, if you can avoid those questions, you go higher on my list. All right, I'm, I I'm like just... McCrody though because it sounds like a villainous frog in a children's cartoon. Rapper <laughs> <laughs> McCrody. I don't know. That's just no, that, that, there. you nailed it. Okay. Where were we? What were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a. I don't, I thought you were gonna throw um a couple stats out there from uh, our boys at was it Jay Fresh? Oh, that's right. Yeah, we have uh, we'll throw those in there because I know we're at like 40 minutes, so we gotta kind of, yeah, this, it in. this is something where this conversation can go two ways. So, of course, I want to get everybody's opinion on this, but uh, we're, we're talking about goals scored above expected for two reasons, Mike. And, and Jay Fresh shared this. This, you know, his data comes from top down hockey, and then he shares it in a chart we could all easily digest. Of course, friend of the show, Jay Fresh. Uh, it's almost been a year since he's been on, Mike, so we might need to, oh, yeah, need to bring him back. Yeah. Um, so here's what we're looking at, Mike. We are in the bottom third of the league in regards to the difference between the 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 goals scored that we are our, our actual goals scored and what our expected goals say. So being at a negative, can you can everybody see my mouse? Being at a negative five point nine, uh, you can see the worst team on this list is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So clearly they they will gain some ground on that negative eighteen point seven at some point, and it's going to be scary. Yeah. Um, but at the top of the list, you've got, you know, the Washington Capitals, Edmonton Oilers, Buffalo Sabres. Well, why did I say that? Uh, St. Louis Blues, <laughs> Florida Panthers. A who's who of uh, the upper elite here in the NHL? <laughs> um, so clearly there's names that belong at the top of this list. There's some names right. at the bottom of this list that don't belong. Um, I mean, Tampa 
is right there with us, right at the bottom of this list. They, they are not a team that will stay at the bottom of this list. So the conversation is, especially with people saying like eventually the Red Wings will peter out. They will leave uh, the playoff standings. They will be bounced out of the wild card. And again, I mentioned that earlier in the show. Take a look at those uh, points percentage standings. Not as fun to look at. Uh, <laughs> we fall down pretty hard. So <clears throat> in that regard, we can either just talk about the points percentage, but that's where this conversation is. Do we truly, are we that far back talent-wise? Because look who else is at the negative 5.9, Mike. Uh, the Coyotes are actually better than us at negative 5.6. Are, are we the team that should be this far down? Or is that potential where you see like a Tampa Bay Lightning? There's a Toronto Maple Leafs are dead last on this table. Is there that potential where it just means the rest of the scoring will come along eventually? And that's where you look at the second line. And last night, even with Pew Suter scoring, you saw so many juicy chances last night for that second line. And it just was not going in. I mean, did, did Zadina get, was it two or three? I, definitely odd man chances. I know he had one breakaway. It's just, God, it sails over the net. You see him slamming his stick on the ice. Like, clearly frustration is building for him because the chances are there and the pucks are not hitting the back of the net. Um, I, I actually did tweet out last night. I said, the second line is truly elite. The back of the net just doesn't know it yet. I, I was I was pretty proud of that line, and I think I only got, like, three likes. It was That was top, oh. you know, Mike, that was poetry right there. That was top-level poetry. Yeah, I meant to report that was Robert that Frost level, I, I would say. I meant to report that one. Um, <laughs> gosh. I mean, if you're rubbing rubbing elbows with, like, Tampa, who, eh, they kind of have some, you know, I'm still missing my boy Cooch. Uh, I don't know. Ugh. This is a tough one because I feel like when our first line is out there, it's, like, I – not statistically, but I expect so many goals. And for the rest of our three lines, I don't expect anything. Yeah. Um, so I almost feel like uh, it's kind of kind of where I might expect them to be, to be honest. Right, because if, if you take a look at the list like individually and you Outside see that of that we... Montreal game, I, it, like at my game, I, there wasn't a lot of, you know, oh, we was robbed opportunities. Oh, look at that puck luck. It kind of felt like eh, that's about where I thought the puck was going to go, you know. Sailing into okay, the I got you. sailing into the glass behind the goalie, um, crashing into the board, hitting a defender on the other team. Um, so yeah, that's actually interesting because I, I mean that that takes us in a whole different direction because I, I would still say I'm, I'm ready to, to like hold on. Like I, when I went through evolving hockey, I, a majority of our players are on the same side of the spectrum where they have a higher expected goals than the actual goals. So there's a ton of potential here for eventually that to even out and you you can play the law of averages. But by the end of this season, there's still be like I'm pointing at the table right now, if you guys are watching, uh, but there's going to be a similar table at the end of the season. Like there's still going to be teams deep in the negative and, you know, high on the positive here for for goals above expected. Right. So that's, I mean, that's the question. Do it, is the talent level for our bottom nine, is that really what our expectation should be? And uh should mention too, um, especially uh, Tristan here, uh, does look like Mitchell Stevens based on uh, Blaschel's words last night is going to be out for a while. So even our, oh. our defensive side of things, um, 
we'll be going downhill. So we're, we're going to have to figure out something on, on the fourth line center. Uh, can I make a suggestion? Uh, Joe Valeno comes up and Michael Rasmussen just takes over the fourth line. And then we uh, start scoring some goals in the middle <laughs> six. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's where I'm looking at this. And I, I think there's hope for this number to go up. Um, actually, if you look at all of our, our players, anybody that is in the, the positive for this, Joe Valeno is one of those guys. So, uh, if, if you want to play that game, if you either want to play the game like, well, that that this is a, a representation of good teams versus bad teams, then you bring up a Joe Valeno because he's also in the positive and you want to put a guy who's actually uh, scoring, you know, it's, it's, it's just barely in the positive, but it's a guy who's keeping pace with his expected goals. Um, or you're making the argument that um, eventually this team will just work itself out and get closer to zero at some point. And, uh, you know, that could happen in one game. Right? Like, there's a pretty, I would say one other thing to connect with this too. Um, For the most part, it looks like most of the teams in the first column are all doing pretty well with like uh, the goal differential for the season cumulatively. And that's where the Red Wings, you kind of get nervous. uh, And ours is kind of rough, even with a positive win loss record. you know, uh, we, we don't we don't score tons of goals. Our our top line's fantastic, but you know, uh, depth wise, we all know that it's you know it's basically been like Nemesnikov a little bit, um, uh, Nemesnikov a little bit. Um, so it kind of feels like I, I I feel like we're right. I don't know, kind of kind of right where we could be. I, I can I can I surprise you with a couple of stats? Hit me. Um. Even looking at this team, like like the individual player, even Lucas Raymond has a better expected goals than goals going in. So you could make the argument, and, and again, this goes for like how much do you trust expected goal statistics? And I, I would say we lean pretty heavily into it. I think it's the best way we have right now to estimate a, a team's ability to set up chances. I, I think this is the best way to look at that. But even a guy like Lucas Raymond... Like, there's still room in his game so far. Moritz Sider. Moritz Sider has a ton of space between his expected and goals for. And I think that's how, like, we, we can look at those two guys and say, yeah, there's enough talent there for that number to start to come together, get closer to zero. So I, I would say if those guys are on that list too, like Larkin is on that list, it just looks like right now your your main guys that are, are pushing us uh, in the positive and, and a couple of guys I think we'd all agree, like, eventually – those goal scoring shot percentages are, are going to come sh- shooting down Bertuzzi and especially Nemestikov. So that it's, it's, it's a pretty, like we've been winning and, and things we could make the argument of like uh, uh, ways we could jump into analyzing this team and saying like things should start to swing the other way. Like even our goaltenders are middling. Uh, they're, they're still average. Uh, so, and if we're only looking at two guys are overperforming the statistics right now in, regard, in regards to Bertuzzi and Nemistikov, I would say, and I keep asking the question, but here's my answer. I think eventually we start to get more secondary scoring. I think, uh, oh, you know what? Let me show you this. I, I highlighted everybody on the team. Uh, this is for everyone to see right now. Uh, this is from Evolving Hockey. So these, these okay. are two different, um, places to get this information you're talking top-down hockey and evolving hockey actually calculate expected goals differently but this still is a wonderful representation of how many guys have space to still score on this team 
all of the blue names have room. That is a majority of our players have room to get more actual goals for to catch up to the expected goals for. And that's can I say, even, look at yeah. I, I love that Bertuzzi. I mean, he's sky high. I mean, how much more scoring could this effing guy do? But then also, Mark Stahl. I mean, for me, I'm that's Mark Stahl. I'm scoring about as well as I can do. So just kind of leave me alone, okay? <laughs> this is peak Mark Stahl right now. Yep. This is as good as you get. I just love giving him grief. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and then uh, who do we have on here? Just just so everybody uh, listening and not watching. Uh, Bertuzzi, Mark Stahl, Nemistikov, Mitchell Stevens, Troy Stetcher, and previously mentioned, uh, Joe Valeno are the only guys on this team that have a higher goals for and then expected goals for for their five-on-five statistics. So, yeah, that, that does mean our highest so every, guys. Everybody else has room Yeah, for better numbers. Everybody yeah. else on the team. And um, – podcast by george brought it up he he does think this team can compete for the rest of the year um he, he is leaning into the nhl's more medical report than a game unfortunately yeah, especially think, during uh, COVID here. yeah right but that does actually go back to the tyler bertuzzi conversation as well like uh still have a few canadian <laughs> canadian games canada games to play that uh certainly have brought us down in that regard um I mean, look at the two Montreal games. Of course, uh, you know, we have some room to grow in regards to getting more goals for than uh, expected goals for. But, um, yeah, I think I think if anything, we can at least look at this. And I wanted to have, like, a huge segment focused on this to kind of bring up the fact that there's – if this team is for real, there's space for that to happen. If this team really does lack talent and we really only have – three core guys right now. So let's say four. Wow. Then yeah, then this will stay blue. Six. The rest of the six. All right. So top line, Verano, Sider, Nadelkovich. Have we had it long enough? Sample size for Verano? I mean, I'm not getting rid of them, but if yeah. I'm listing my core players right now, I, I threw in Bertuzzi, but yeah, Larkin, Raymond, and Sider. Those are, those are my boys. Man, where's Gustav? <laughs> Sorry. I know his dad listened, so I'd... Um, yeah, we haven't I mentioned the goose today. Yeah, after, goose. Uh, after his injury, his um, his numbers have come down a little bit <laughs> since he came back. I don't know if it's... Uh, last night, he played a good game, but before that, he it seemed like he was a little tentative, and uh, the puck also just seemed to be bouncing right over his stick, too. It's, it's some puck luck, but some of that, I think, all gets rolled into uh, like getting back into game shape. So... Uh, I at this point wasn't wasn't in love with his couple of games since returning from injury, but he did he did play well last night, and uh, I did like seeing him use his size too to uh, protect the boys. I uh, I had to look up how tall he was. He's not a giant by any means, but uh, yeah, he's got he's got some size to protect. Do you mean guys. when you say the boys? Do you mean his line mates or his tenders? <laughs> yeah, just his tenders. Just. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know if uh, how, how deep anybody wants to go into the analytics, uh, but again, um, there's at least evidence here that there's some space, and, and we know the guys to point out, right? Like, it's it's surprising to know that Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider are also on that list where they expect or the goal, the actual yeah, catch it feels up. Feels like they're already team. far exceeding what you would ever expect from a rookie. You know what I right. mean? So Lucas has like one goal to catch up. So a two goal game, boom, that's gone. <laughs> You know, like, but Philip Sedina 
has a seven goal difference. He actually leads the league right now in difference between expected goals for goals for. So again, we've talked about it at nauseum. Do we, is it just about replacing that center position? Uh, don't, you know, don't overvalue a Pew Suter goal last night to say like, all right, he's back. Like we got to go long-term with this. We need to see, you know, Zadina's playing with him. So there's some reason that Zadina's goals, actual goals for is three goals less than Pew Suter's right now. Cause those are, those are on ice statistics. Those are when they're on the ice together. Yeah. We got to figure that out. What the, what the fudge is going on with Zadina? Um, Cause Zadina and Fabry in lockstep, like around five, um, they're at uh, 4.89 for Zadina, 5.77 for, for Robbie Fabry right now. Like actual goals for when they're on the ice. And uh, Puse, he's got the 7.96. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, what it, let's, uh, I guess we'll look at the two games coming up this week. And we can probably Oh, right. Yeah, let's, yeah, we can wrap this up. Um, we're we're gonna be going uh, into Columbus. Um, luckily, I, I would say luckily uh, th- this is this is something where we're gonna be in the same situation. Uh, both having played last night, and then we'll both be playing on Monday. Uh, does uh, I guess it it'll go a little more in Dallas's direction uh, in that regards for the next game because uh, Dallas played. Um, when was their last game? Okay, so Dallas played last night, and they'll get one extra day's rest. And of course, we'll be playing two nights in a row. That is always one of those things where you watch the first period. The team that played the night before usually plays pretty hot in that first 10 minutes. And then the next 50 minutes will go the other team's way. Uh, I I would say for a majority of back-to-back games, that's what happens. So keep an eye out for what the Red Wings can do to at least try and take the lead in that first period against Dallas. Uh, But yeah, it'll, it'll be one of those things if the, as we mentioned earlier in the show, if the playbook has been written, on how to take a lead against the wings and shut them down for three periods. Uh, You know, if Washington did that, if Montreal also showed that it's possible for a team of their talent level, uh, then, you know, I I would say Dallas is, is at least as good. It's fair to say Dallas is at least as good as Montreal. So they, they would have that ability, I think, to, uh, to play that, to play that game. Um, So that's kind of where I'm looking at that Dallas game is is kind of one of those things where I think we could easily beat Dallas if everything was the same, if we were on a level playing field and this wasn't back-to-back games. Um, But that's where I think Dallas could take the win. So to back up and go to that Blue Jackets game, uh, which again will be the first one that we play tomorrow, 7 o'clock in Columbus. It can't well, just jumping on my desk and biting me. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I think it'll depend on what Columbus decides to do from uh, their goalie perspective. Um, I want to pull up their last game and see who played because I think it was Merzlikens who lost to the Rangers. Yeah, so he gave up five goals, 878 save percentage. But over the whole season uh, for Columbus, he, he's been outstanding. A 929 save percentage. Uh, 4.1 goals saved above average. So he, he's at the top of the list uh, for the entire league. But as we've seen as of late, Mike, every team likes to play their backup goaltender or uh, call up a rookie just for funsies to play the Red Wings. So is uh, Corpusello, who's got a sub 900 save percentage uh, near the bottom of the league and goals saved uh, above average. Is he going to get the start? And, uh, I mean, some other stats to play in there is uh, Corpus Allo has actually played okay against the Red Wings the last couple of years. So, even if that is the case, 
he's he's I, I don't want to say he's had our number, but um, he he's played fine against us. Um, I don't know. He steps it up, but I, I would say that's going to be a huge difference maker. Because um, if I if you take a look, um, take a look at the Blue Jackets, uh, Bjorkstrand right now, fifteen points in twelve games. Jakub Voracek, twelve points in twelve games. So. Uh, Patrick Laine, is he is he actually out? He's only played nine games so far this year. So, yeah, he's killing my fantasy fit, Oblique. Yeah, he's one of my Jack tech runs. Laine is going to be out four to six weeks. Oh, that's right. Whoops. Um, so maybe there's, yeah, I mean, they've been losing now that he's out. So if we can hold on to that, um, you know, maybe we get a win against Columbus. But, yeah, then that next game for Dallas is, I, I still think, depends on that first ten minutes. Um, and, Why do uh, we have this you know, selective memory that I feel like we've never won in Dallas before? That can't be true. Um, I mean, it's not true. It's just that selective <laughs> memory that, it, like, of these two games, I feel confident about a like a positive outcome Columbus-wise, but not for Dallas. Even though Dallas um, is, you know, having kind of a rough year. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about last week, why it was so important. Like, not important, but it would have been so cool for us to win those five games last week. It was because I looked at this next four-game road trip as four winnable games, not easy wins, but. That's where we were coming into this week, and I was I was going all right, legit shot here because we got we have Vegas and Arizona after these two games, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But um, I mean, for sure, an easy win in Arizona, right? Like I I hope that doesn't turn into one of those games where we're like we got this, and then it's seven to nothing Arizona. Uh, it's not in Canada, so we should be fine. Uh, but but I, I I still think the you know even. Even with me looking at the talent level of these teams and Columbus's standings right now, and their points percentage is better than us, um, I, I I'm looking at those as like non-factors right now. But if you you look at the talent level, you look at where the goaltenders are at. I, I think that again, two winnable games in the next couple of nights. It's just you know the important thing I think will be the the non analytic factors, the narratives, Detroit playing a second game in two nights against Dallas, I think is going to hurt us. But uh, Columbus's big thing will be who they're putting in net is, is my opinion. Tristan does point out uh, he, he's Nadelkovich has been absolutely unreal. Love him in net. Um, he's actually leading all rookie goaltenders right now, Mike. So uh, he's right up there with Mort Sider and Lucas Raymond for the, for the Calder. I got a fun stat for you, Matt. Yeah. We played uh was it two Montreal road games and one Toronto road game? Is yeah. That right? Yeah. So if you take out the Canadian games, like uh, Bertuzzi free away games, Red Wings are actually three and one on the road. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? We're, good, we're, good, we're a good road team. Scrappy road team, I would say. Now um, we got to make some uh, some wild uh, leaps there, and when our very best players not playing, and you know most teams can say that, you know <laughs> you're going to lose if your best players not playing. Um, but yeah, that 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 makes me feel pretty confident about Columbus. I'm kind of excited to see that game. Yeah, I I would say um, at least we have four games coming up where it, you can't look at any of them and just you're you're not dreading any of these games. Because you've got that uh, depleted Vegas lineup coming in. Um, and, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to seeing what will happen against Arizona. And then we finally have some rest, Mike. I mean, coming on uh, Matt's first week of work. Uh, the beautiful. schedule finally cuts back. Jesus. Um, so let's do this, Matt. Uh, yeah. What's your prediction win-loss for this week? Uh, we're doing the full week. We'll just do the next couple of games because then we'll have uh, Vegas and Arizona come up on the next episode. 
Yeah, we'll do these two games then. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, uh, when we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the streak going against Columbus, so it'll be five out of six, and then uh, and then yeah, I think we will actually lose by uh, we'll have a multi goal loss. I still struggle to figure out how to say that, but <laughs> I think Dallas will. It's not anything where I look at Dallas and I'm afraid of them. Uh, but I, th- I think it'll turn out to be the narrative side of things. And this is a lot of games for the Red Wings to play in a short amount of time. And eventually it's got to catch up. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just kind of seems like things will stack up in that game. I, I really, you know, there's a shot here. Uh, Kudobin, Holpe haven't been amazing for, for Dallas, but uh, there's still that space for Holpe to be Braden Holpe at some point and uh, knock us out. So yeah, what's going on with Radulov? Oh yeah, he's thirty-five. Um, <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> oh God! You know what? We're gonna lose a lot of faceoffs in Dallas. I forgot. This is Glenn Denning. Yep, we're screwed. Woo-wee. God, if oh, he scores man. a goal against us, like seriously, can we just erase him from the history books? As if he <laughs> screws us over. Um, yeah, so I'll say uh, win-loss. We'll be one and one uh, Monday and Tuesday. I went uh, I went extreme last week. I picked win, 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 win. And we went win, the game I go to, loss, and then win. Uh, Matt, these two games. Brad calling the backhander, by the way, for Glenn Denning. <laughs> 35, Radulov, and Glenn Denning. Oof. Oh, Chris is a huge fan of your comment, by the way. Oh, which one? The no, Radulov comment. Oh, oh he's third. <laughs> give me, uh, give me a win-win, man. I think we're getting off my uh, selective memory, Dallas Schneid here. Whew. All right. So if you had asked me to pick all four games, I'm picking win-win for Vegas, Arizona. So if you get your way these first two games, and I get my way the next, we're two, throwing those in. Man. This is yeah. <laughs> Let's man, do we're it. too hyped. We're, we're there's. This is a good road team. Too much as long as it's not in Canada. It's a good road team. Yeah. Bertuzzi likes making people sad. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, let's sail off into the sunset. I uh, should warn everybody, I'm going to be recording some episodes for, uh, we're doing a family vacation coming up. So, um, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be going not live. Not looking forward to bringing a laptop on a, an airplane yeah, not, and recording uh, be, in a Disney hotel room. Sorry. I, I will be doing zero work uh from i don't know what the day after thanksgiving no probably thanksgiving too yeah we're gonna do some fun stuff (laughs) though we're gonna do some fun stuff though because we're gonna try and find some centermen for this team for next season yeah we're gonna Uh we're gonna have some fun we'll we'll turn in the the mitchell stevens work for you tristan finally we'll have that ready to go starting uh thanksgiving week and then moving into the uh first week of december but then we'll be back um that next week but yeah, we 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 want to put we'll do the Mitchell Stevens thing. We're gonna look ahead to uh, free agents for 2022 and 2023, and then uh, we'll probably take a minute and look at all the prospects. But unfortunately, none of it's gonna be live. Uh, we'll still be live for the next week. But uh, just want to give you guys the heads up that uh, right around Thanksgiving there'll be a nice hefty break. Uh, we're gonna be taking. We'll be there for you around Christmas, but Thanksgiving. Sorry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, uh, everybody, we're going to sail off into the sunset. Hope you guys had fun, and uh, we will, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll still see you coming up uh, later this week. All right. Peace.